Good evening, and thank you all for coming out on a wet and miserable night. You notice how quickly it's getting even dark. Summer's over. I suppose, like you, like me, I've been reflecting back over the last number of days on the possibility that you have seen or met the royal family. Certainly as you watch and you listen to the news, people are reflecting on times that they met the Queen or saw the Queen. Possibly some here in the congregation have had that privilege of meeting her, of being in her presence. Some of us have seen her from a distance. I saw her once. It was a rather unique experience because it was nearly 50 years ago and I was in Tokyo, Japan, and the Queen was visiting the Emperor. And as I understood from the press her itinerary, I realized that she would be traveling along a road fairly near to where we lived. And so I took my camera and I walked the mile or so up, and it was an exit of an expressway known as the Shuto Expressway, a single lane exit. You carry on up that road a bit and it took you to Akasaka Palace. I stood there. I was about to leave to come home when I saw a single Japanese police car come up the road with a black limousine behind it. That was all the security there was. The car came up the little exit road from the expressway. The traffic was still moving, so it all stopped. And there, as close as that table, sitting in the back seat of the car, was Her Majesty the Queen. She looked at me quite startled, and I was quite startled as well. I waved, she waved. I suppose I had my personal meeting with the Queen. It's strange. There was a, a woman, quite small in stature, in the back of a, a car, and I vividly remember it, right to the detail. Don't ask me what she was wearing. Please don't ask me that. But I do remember it. Because you see, it was the closest I probably have ever come to royalty. And it made an impression upon me. But Her Majesty the Queen had a favorite hymn. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like thee his praise should sing? Praise him, praise him, praise the everlasting King. Not quite remarkable. And here was a woman who ran constitutionally a nation 
commonwealth. And yet there was a greater king. And the hymn goes on to suggest that she would bow her knee to that king. Whenever you go into the book of Matthew in the New Testament, the book of Matthew is quite unique. Each of the Gospels have various themes, but Matthew's theme is the news or the good news of a promised king. The theme is a king. And yet, in that little book, in that Gospel, Matthew specifically directs our attention to the fact that that king is a shepherd. It's interesting that Matthew's gospel doesn't have the story of the shepherds. Luke's gospel contains that. But Matthew's gospel don't start with the shepherd. It's hidden in there. It says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler, a king, who will shepherd my people Israel. And then later on in the book, in chapter 9, the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever he looks out over the crowds, it says he had compassion on them. And this takes us back to what we were considering last week, because they were leaderless. And he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And then as you move further into the book, you have an amazing scene which I described to you last week. If you remember the story or the imagery that I gave you of the work of the shepherd in the Middle East in biblical times, that he had a mixed flock. And that mixed flock was consisted of sheep and, and goats. And at times, because of the grazing and the grazing allowances and the sheep on the pasture land and the, the, the goats up into the higher hills, he would separate them. And the Lord Jesus Christ says this, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, King. And all the nations, all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The very imagery we talked about. I'm not going to get into the eschatology and the meaning and all of that. It's not appropriate tonight to get into that. It's a complex area. But what we do see is that the one who is the shepherd, the king, sits in judgment, 
separating sheep from goats. And finally, in Matthew's gospel, good news of the promised king, Jesus told him, this very night you will fall away on my account as he spoke to his disciples. I will strike the shepherd. The sheep of the flock will be scattered, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Four times. In Matthew's gospel, Matthew specifically links the shepherd to the king. And so you have heard the shepherd king. As I mentioned this morning, Her Majesty allowed her name to be appended to only one publication, and it was entitled The Servant Queen. It was issued at the time of her jubilee and spread out across the world, and people read it about her personal faith in Christ. But she recognized that while she was queen, there was a greater king, a shepherd king. And in the couple of minutes that remain, I just want to pick up that theme and encourage us because it is most appropriate in, in a, a week which has been quite difficult, very difficult, a week in which we as a nation have mourned. Yesterday, I had the privilege of taking a funeral service here for one of our members. And a week in which we heard the devastating news of a relatively young man serving the Lord in South Africa, suddenly passing away, being called home. Somebody said to me this morning, as I was standing in the foyer, I just feel sad. So what does the shepherd king, the, the, the great shepherd, have to say to us as Christians and as a community? I'd like to take you to Hebrews. And if you have your Bible with you, if you want to open up the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Chapter 13 and verse number 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The great shepherd of the sheep. Remember where we were last week? We said that it is a theme which runs right throughout the Bible. It's almost like a river. My wife and I, many, many years ago, drove up into the hills in County Down, and found the, the source of the lagon. There it was, just a little bubbling stream. 
And even as we walked down the length where the times we could see it and the times it disappeared, and then as it meandered its way down through County Down and came into Belfast Lock, we could see the lagging at times, and times it disappeared, and eventually came out as this massive big river. And in many ways, that's what the theme is like in the Bible on the topic of the shepherd. Jacob, Jacob said, God, who has been my shepherd. In Genesis chapter 48, one bookend. And the other bookend that we talked about last week is, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And between those two statements, there is a river flowing, and every so often it emerges and surfaces and then goes underground again, and then emerges and makes its way until it comes to the final point where you have this beautiful cascading volume of water. The shepherd. We remind ourselves that the Bible says, we talked about this last week, that God clearly teaches that he is the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That God appointed under shepherds. We look briefly at that. Some were good and some were evil. We talked about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ confronted those who were the under shepherds to whom God had given responsibility and they were neglecting their responsibility. And in the midst of that, he says, there's one who will come who will be the good shepherd. And I am the good shepherd. And so last week we focused on the fact that the one who came was, if you like, a pastoral shepherd, one who cared, one who looked after the sheep, one who carried there not his club or his heavy weapon in his hand, but a staff to, to guide and to pastorally care for the sheep. The one who came to die for the sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each and every one has turned to his own way. And so let's just think for a moment on this great phrase, the great shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd king. There have been examples right throughout the Old Testament of great leaders. God, the shepherd who delegated to man his under-shepherd's responsibility. And probably none is more pronounced than that of Moses. You all know the story of Moses. He was a shepherd. A shepherd for 40 years. But that is not the reason I want to talk to you about him this evening. But rather, Moses, whenever he led, as Sam says, the people like a flock by the hand of Moses. He brought them out of the land of Egypt. They had been captives. They had been oppressed. They had been slaves. Their life was of no consequence to the Egyptians. And yet we have that magnificent picture of Moses embarking with the people and Moses at the head like a shepherd and leading the people 
and taking them forward, hundreds of thousands of people, out onto a journey. And right throughout that journey, it was Moses through whom God provided the resource. God spoke to Moses about the manna. God spoke to Moses about the water. God spoke to Moses about the law. And Moses, if you like, got the image of, of this massive crowd of people walking along at the very head. A great shepherd. But not the great shepherd. A great shepherd. Then we also read that the Lord said to David, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will be a ruler over Israel. A boy shepherd. The youngest in the family. One who went out to care for sheep. But one who fought to protect the sheep. He fought wild animals. He beat them back. He was one who was there to protect and, and to guide and to control and look after that flock. And God said, you will shepherd my people Israel. And he says, you will be a ruler over Israel. It's interesting, the phrase that is used for a ruler. It's not a king. It's not even a prince. But it's almost, if you like, an under-shepherd. I, God, am using you. And when we come into the New Testament in the book of Peter, and even in other parts, we find that God today to the church has provided those who are shepherds, under shepherds, not kings, but elders, leaders. And as leaders and as elders, we have a responsibility to care for the flock, and we have a responsibility to protect the flock. And as elders, we have a responsibility to lead the flock. I'm going to say something you'll probably scratch your head and say, I'm not sure if I agree with that. I've spent my life not worrying about what people agree with me about. The church is not a democracy. The church is a theocracy. The church is not a democracy. The church is a theocracy. We don't take our guidance from opinion. We take our guidance from our God. We don't take our guidance from what is fashionable. We take our guidance solely from His Word. And I can speak to you as an elder of this congregation, and I can tell you it is difficult very difficult. And as we as a congregation have emerged from a 
dark period of two to three years of a pandemic and all that has been associated with it, the social implications and everything else, we look to our God for guidance. We look to Him to lead us forward. And so whenever you are talking about a great shepherd of the sheep, you're talking not only of the dimension of pastorally caring, but protecting and leading. But there's another image hidden in the Psalms. It's actually quite a terrifying phrase that isn't picked up. You'll find it in Psalm 49. It says this, they are like sheep. They are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. Death will be their shepherd. Psalm 49 is a very, very interesting psalm. And if I was to use a contemporary illustration of what Psalm 49 is saying is, I'm sure you have read a book or seen a movie or possibly even dreamed it yourself. But you've seen the story of a, a man who through good fortune sees a paper six months away in the future, a newspaper. He's amazed. He sees the headlines. He looks on the back page and he's amazed because he can see the, the football scores. He's even more amazed when he sees some of the teams that have won. And he thinks, here it is. Here's my chance. He flicks into the financial page and he looks through it and he sees there the, how the stocks have moved and work and make a profit. And he says, fantastic. He says, I can look into the future, and as I look into the future, I can become rich, prosperous, and great. And he continues to leaf through the pages of the newspaper until he comes to the obituaries and sees his name. Wealth, riches, power, the psalmist says in Psalm 49, they're all irrelevant because they are like sheep and destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. That is a scary picture. We have been vividly reminded this week of death as a congregation and, as I said, as a nation. But the picture there is of a shepherd forcing his sheep along, not leading from the front, but a shepherd behind forcing with his sticks and his staffs to, to push the sheep along to a direction they don't want to go. They resist. 
They try to pull away, but to no avail. Death will be their shepherd. The Bible clearly teaches, and we know that we are all destined to die. And so we have Moses as shepherd leading from the front, David as shepherd leading a nation. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd king, and then we have this depressing image of death as a shepherd. But Psalm 49 doesn't stop there. It says, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, from the power of death. He will receive me. Death, herding a sheep destined to die. But God will ransom me. And then we come straight back to Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep. What's the picture? The picture is of a shepherd coming over the brow of a hill. And as you watch, he walks along there. And as you look behind him, there are millions following him. Why? Because death has been defeated. Death has been conquered. Look at what the writer to the Hebrews says. The God of peace who brought up the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. That great shepherd of the sheep. No longer you're being corralled and, and pushed into a corner by death. But through his resurrection, the power of his resurrection, you have the image of the great shepherd of the sheep leading us out through the power of death. The world's great religions have their leaders, Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, and so. The world's great philosophers have their philosophers, Confucius, to name one, and others. But each and every one of them has a dead leader. But Christianity, if you can disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, if you can prove that he did not rise from the dead, then Christianity has absolutely no credibility. The Apostle Paul says that. The Apostle Paul says that if Christ be not risen from the dead, then we are fools. The reality is 
that we base our faith on an historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that God raised him from the dead, and as a consequence of God raising him from the dead, death has been defeated. No longer are we under the power of death. No longer are we worried about death. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, or where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to our God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. The great shepherd of the sheep. But briefly, Peter talks about a chief shepherd, a good shepherd, a great shepherd, chief shepherd. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, we read these words, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The chief shepherd. Let me take you back again to last week. Sometimes we talked about the fact that the flocks were small, familial flocks, small groupings that came together, maybe 20, 30, 40 sheep in, in a herd. The community came together and looked after it. But at times there were large flocks. They were governed and kept by a chief shepherd, the one who was in charge. And he delegated that responsibility. It was impossible for him to look after that flock on his own. And so he delegated that responsibility to others, to under-shepherds. And they looked after the flock and protected the flock and guided the flock. And they did it until the chief shepherd appeared. You can see the image. You can see what we're saying. We live in a period of time when we need to lift our heads up and look up. We live in a period of time whenever we need to look up and say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. Because the reality is this, that the chief shepherd will come back again for his sheep. I remember one night saying that here in the Crescent and preaching on the second coming of Christ. And as I was leaving and shook hands with a man at the door, he said to me, you're mad. I said, why? He said, how could a dead man come back again? The reality is the great shepherd 
has risen from the dead. He has conquered death. He has brought the victory. And as a consequence, we are led by him. And death has no more power. It's to be feared. It's not to be made light of. It's not to be laughed at. But we know that he has the victory. But the reality is that some of us sitting here may never see death. You say, what? May never see death. My wife and I were driving home from a funeral, and she said, you know, David, we, we really should think about our own funeral arrangements. Great topic of conversation. I said, it's easy. She says, why? What do you mean? I said, I'm not going to die. I believe that he is coming again. So with the wisdom of all good wives, she says, you wouldn't like to just have a backup plan, would you? But the reality for us as Christians, and Peter says it as well, to live in the light of his coming, to look up and to anticipate it, because death has been conquered, and he is coming back again to lead us as the great shepherd of the sheep. Yesterday at the funeral service of one of our members, I spoke on, the Lord is my shepherd. Very, very well known. But there are three Psalms, one on each side of Psalm 22, or Psalm 23. There's Psalm 22, 23, and 24. And they're the shepherd's Psalms. And believe it or not, when you look at those three Psalms, Psalm 22, you read it, you see the good shepherd. The good shepherd who dies and gives his life for the sheep. And when you come to Psalm 23, you read the great shepherd. The great shepherd. He will lead me. Remember? He will lead me. And then when we come to Psalm 24, we read about the chief shepherd. And if you've got your Bible with you, turn with me to Psalm 24. And with these verses, I wish to conclude. The chief shepherd. Verse number seven. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O your gates, and lift them up, O you everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. 
and every eye will see him and every knee will bow before my shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and the chief shepherd who is coming again for his sheep.